We continue our summer blockbuster sermon series by looking at a comedy from the 1990s, The First Wives Club. It's not a romantic comedy, in fact, it's kind of the opposite of that, because the main characters in this movie are three women who are divorced, or in the process of becoming divorced. And there's no love lost between them and their husbands, because each of them has been, well, rather unceremoniously replaced with a younger model. And so in some ways this movie seeks to point to the truth of the pain that is a part of divorce, particularly for women, and particularly for women who believe that their husbands are replacing them, whether with a younger woman or just something else in their lives. But amidst the pain, there's humor and there's truth. And one of the reasons why this movie is so popular, I think, although it is quite dated, is that it celebrates women of a, to use the euphemism, of a certain age, finding their own identities and celebrating their own identities, their own capabilities. Now, a lot of the comedy of this movie comes with the desire of these women to, well, to avenge their loss, to cause their ex-husbands as much pain as their ex-husbands have caused them. About two-thirds of the way through the movie, and it's 25 years old, so I don't think I need to tell you that this is a spoiler alert, but about two-thirds of the way through the movie, uh, they decide that they're thinking too small. Because while on a certain level it would feel good for their ex-husbands to feel some pain, it doesn't really fix the injustice of the situation. And believe it or not, in a nutshell, I think that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to convey to Christians who so desperately desire vengeance for the wrongs that they, for the wrongs that we have suffered at the hands of others, sometimes by the willful actions of others and sometimes through the ignorant and actions, the unmeaning actions, unintended actions, or at least unintended consequences from the actions of others. You see, it is natural, I think it's beyond natural, when we feel pain to want those that caused us pain to feel pain themselves. It's very natural. The problem is, is that is easier said than done. Because if you or I were to try and fix the problem by causing the other person pain, well, we probably wouldn't just cause them pain. There would be unintended consequences. There would be a ripple effect of negativity from that act of vengeance, of suffering. And frankly, at the end of all of that, all you'd have is a lot of people who are hurting. And where's the joy? Where's the life? Where is God in that? I'll be honest. A lot of Christians, they understand that they're supposed to forgive, and so they hope that God will settle the score when all is said and done, 
And most people, including far too many Christians, imagine that Paul's promise of, promise of God's vengeance will be powerfully destructive and painful indeed. That while God has taught you and me that we're not supposed to seek vengeance, that when the day comes, God will settle all the scores. And all of those, especially those who have caused a lot of suffering, will suffer an equal or even slightly greater amount. The problem with that conception of God's vengeance is that doesn't quite square with the other attributes of God that we celebrate in the church, the God of creation, the God of wisdom and teaching and nurture, the God of love, the God who came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ to fix things permanently. But Jesus didn't come bearing a sword. Jesus came personifying love, even a love, a love that abides and suffers injustice, many injustices. I'm not quite sure how such a God would then punish everybody to the extent that they deserve. Let me rephrase that. I'm not sure that that God would punish you and me to the extent that we deserve because we have caused pain in other people's lives as well. And at the end of the day, if everybody gets their just desserts, if we all get the pain, well, that just leaves a broken world, a broken creation. And deep down, I think most of us recognize that the whole point of Jesus, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is that Jesus is here to offer healing and wholeness, not brokenness and destruction and despair. I know that even, even if we can understand that and admit it and even try to live that way, there are still going to be some times when we want people to get what they deserve. And inside of us, we may even share a little if they do get what we think they deserve because of their bad behavior. It's unintentionally funny to watch the First Wives Club now and see a cameo by one of the first big name first ex-wives, the first ex-wife of the current president of the United States, Ivana Trump, who jokes, don't get mad, get everything. And deep down, whatever you think of the president, there's a certain cheer that goes up in a lot of people when we hear that attitude. Because we recognize far too often divorce is not just painful, but the pain and the bad effects, the hardest effects, fall disproportionately on women rather than men in divorce. I'm not saying there aren't negative effects for everybody, but it's in our culture and maybe throughout history, women have seemed to get more than their fair share 
of the pain and suffering caused by divorce. Having to start again from, well, from nothing almost, so many years further into their lives. The movie has a happy ending. The women decide that, yes, the men can be punished, but they'll use their effort for a greater good. Their greater good is to create a, an organization to help battered women and women who are on the way to becoming ex-wives, to help them, to offer them support so they don't have to start from zero again. But I'll be honest, I think the real happy ending of the movie is the very end, when the three leads sing a 1960s Leslie Gore song. If you remember Leslie Gore, who was uh, known as the cutie pie from Tenafly, that's Tenafly, New Jersey. Um, she was a teenage singer, most famous for singing um, It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. But her biggest hit, although it did not reach number one, was You Don't Own Me. It was the only single in, the ni in 1965 that cracked the top five for weeks and weeks against the juggernaut that was the Beatles. A very popular song of empowerment. And in the movie, I think that's what it's meant to be, a song of women's empowerment against women, or, uh, sorry, against men, against society at large, that nobody owns them. But for our purposes, when we consider the issue of vengeance and how Paul reminds us that vengeance is not a healthy thing for us to try to exact on others, the you don't own me is reminding us that we don't want the feelings of vengeance, the urge, to, the urge for revenge to own us. Because that's the dark secret about revenge. It takes power over us. The person that we seek to give just desserts to, the person that we seek to hurt, to harm, to bring justice to, to punish, well, they still have some real estate up here, and maybe even in our hearts as well. They're still taking too much of our attention and our energy. And so if we live more how God wants us to live, it's not that we won't suffer. It's not that we won't hurt. It's not that other people will not treat us badly, because sometimes they will, and the hurt will be deep, to say the least. But what Jesus tried to exemplify, and what Paul is teaching us here, is that our choice is to seek forgiveness and love so that those unhealthy feelings of revenge do not own us. They do not control us. We don't distract our energy and our efforts with those things, but rather seek to live constructively to live more like the people that God made us to be. A final word, that does not mean that God wants us to be doormats. Just because we're meant to forgive, it does not mean we're meant to forget. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to set ourselves up time and time again to be hurt. It's okay to set firm boundaries, especially if people have proven by their past behavior that we need to watch out for what they might do next.
one of the happiest moments in the film is when one of the women's ex-husbands seeks a reconciliation. And her response is slightly unchristian. She tells him to drop dead. But her desire to set a boundary, to protect herself from the repeated hurts that she's had at his hands, emotional, not physical, I do think that's a God thing. So yes, the way forward is probably paved with a combination of forgiveness and love and healthy boundaries, because healthy boundaries, well, they're a way that we demonstrate self-love, which means that we see ourselves a little bit more how God sees us, that we see ourselves as worthy of not being hurt again and again and again.